Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished watching Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm hosting a nice dinner party for all my political rivals. I'm Tyler. I haven't recently nearly shot down any of my buddy's parents. My name is Zach. I forgot that that happens. <laughs> We're watching episode 8 of Freakongista and G this week. Mother, Father, and Mask. That's my favorite schoolyard game. Mother, father, or mask? Yeah. It does sound like a horror game or like a creepypasta or something. Well, it yeah. sounds like a weird variation on Fuck, Mary Kill. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Mask Shar. <laughs> Mother Maruramius. Father Bright Noah. <laughs> Easy. Cool Uncle Moo. Yeah, cool Uncle. That, that's just the fault. Everybody. You don't need to declare that. It's assumed. You, you get Cool Uncle Moo and Cool Uncle Walfeld. I feel or like, is it crazy Uncle Waltfelt? <laughs> I feel like Waltfelt's your uncle's a weird friend who's just there sometimes, and you're not sure if they're gay or if they're just pals or if he's just on hard times and living with him or what's going on. <laughs> he always smells like coffee, though. Uh, Rico and Gista and G is the story of Bellary, who is in a Gundam right now on a beach. Um, he's being attacked by a masked guy who has some friends who were cannibalies. What do you call someone who is eaten by cannibals? Uh, I believe that you call them dinner. Historical dinner. He, he's leading a squad of historical dinner in transforming mobile suits <laughs> to try to capture the G-self so instead of being dinner, they can be politicians. I think that one qualifies as a, our brand new sentence. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Bellary's mother is coming from space in a glider. She forgot cinnamon bread. And bananas. Cinnamon biscuits, I'm sorry. Uh, Mick Jack just showed up to save the day in the uh, armor Zagon. Although we and don't a, know it's her yet. Marion mobile armor. Yeah. And Klimnik is there. <laughs> also, Raria is there on the beach because Klimnik thought it would be a good idea to have her test drive the Gundam at action o'clock. Hanging out in a new mobile suit because Bellary left her and said new mobile suit. Jehanams. Jehanams. Jehanamanas. Jemimas. That's everything. Ida's there too. Yes, Ida's there too. And last week, we discovered that the G-Arcane can transform. Don't worry, it won't come up again. <laughs> it's apparently not relevant to its abilities. She hit that button, something bad happened, so she decided to never use it again. <laughs> she, she, accidentally, it. <laughs> she accidentally hit it with her elbow. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to say before, should we just get into it? I had fun with this one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, maybe just get into it, because this does kind of feel like part two of a two-part episode. I wanted to ask something, actually, I remember regarding this hmm. episode. Zach, how toyetic is Turn A Gundam? I don't feel like it's that toyetic. Just knowing what I know about the mobile suit designs and the way this pacing goes, it doesn't feel that toyetic to me either. Because Tomino has always had a love-hate relationship with how toyetic his shows are and need to be. Like, the original Gundam has the G-Armor, which is always turning the Gundam into a tank or a jet to make things more sellable, which Tomino wants you desperately to forget ever happened and has banished from all uh, <laughs> historical sources. That was not canon. It just happened to be in the anime. And in uh, Victory Gundam, he quit over concerns about how many toys they wanted him to add in. But Rico and Gista in G seems like it might be the most toyetic season of Mobile Suit Gundam including the ones that are all about playing with toys. <laughs> yeah, because I don't, I don't think uh, Turn A has a lot of those, because I'm thinking of all, I'm trying to think of all the mobile suits that cropped up that I remember from Turn A. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't a uh, one-off Monster of the Week style episode that brings a couple of them in, but I can't think of them. 
Yeah, and like there are plenty of mobile suits of the week. I'm not even talking about that. The tricky pack just seems like the most we made a <laughs> toy so of this. Dumb. You have to throw it in the series yeah, thing I've I, seen ever. At the very least, I don't think the turn A gets any of these wild packs and shit. Well, that's a post Gundam Seed innovation, right? Turn A is the season before Seed, and that's the one they realized, oh man, what if we sold different bat packs for these model kits? And the G cell very much seems like a take on that. A lot of Rico. Although Double Lot doesn't really have that. No, it doesn't. But it's got the Gundam wing approach of we just throw a bunch of mobile suits in, a bunch of Gundams in. Whereas, of course, uh, Gundam Seed was why not both? And that's not like a super common or needed Gundam thing. But I feel like a lot of Rico and G is Tomino playing with stuff that like was added to the canon in Seed more so than taking anything from Double O, which was the other big series between this and Turn Gundam. That's fair. That that does make a lot of sense. It would also explain why all the weird backpacks for the G-Self. Yeah, it just seems, like I said, very toyetic. It doesn't quite have one every week, but it has a lot of them it uses exactly once. I was going to say, is the Tricky Pack going to be one of those? Because I can't see what... Pr- he, do- he even mentions it has big fuck-off beam launchers on the shoulders, and then he doesn't use them. But they're like, he flips someone with them. He, he, do, bur- he, he does. He burger flips a mask. Out of this episode. <laughs> I was going to say, he does judo throw someone with his shoulder. So, All right. That's the only thing I really wanted to bring up beforehand. So shall we get into it? Sure. We're watching episode eight, Mother, Father, and Mask. You can watch along if you have the power. Although they left out the Oxford comma, so it is just Father and Mask. We see the balloon of the megafauna. Oh, they also have a megafauna balloon. The megafauna is the pirate ship. And yet nobody seems to have realized that it's not real. I feel like right now these guys are concerned with this armor Zagon that's attacking them. But yeah, Mask does kind of fly near it and is so distracted by this mobile armor coming after him. That he doesn't notice the big hole in the balloon. And Klim Nick is like, hey, let's all go regroup over where that armor Zagon came from. Ida is impressed at how well Bellary is flying. With half a wing. And uh, Bellary is like, wait, my mobile suit has been abandoned here. What the hell? That's never really explained either. How I, how it got there is kind of confusing. Also, Bellary poses like it's the last episode of Mobile Suit Gundam, and then, satisfied that no one is going to attack him from the air, gets out of his mobile suit to talk to the people who have brought him crates of supplies. <laughs> I like how the pilots are basically arguing who has to go drive the, uh, the Genom. Not Roraya is their conclusion. <laughs> and there's a guy in full military de- dress here who's like, Ah, Clem, I brought you some new weapons. And Clem's like, Inspector General, why are you here on the front lines? That's a really weird thing for an Inspector General to be doing. And uh, so this is uh, Ida's dad. And Ida's like, oh my god, dad, I hope you don't become a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> While the battle is still raging between the uh, the Armor Jagan and the, or Armor Zagon? Armor Zagon and the uh, mask team. Ida clearly likes her father because she runs up, hugs him, and then they have a conversation and completely ignore Bellary for a while. And Bellary, in an unprecedented move in Reconquista NG, exposits to us information we've already heard once about their relationship and what the deal is. And they sit down to chat in the middle of this battle. And Ida's like, I kind of suck as a pilot. Sorry, Dad. Ah, oh, cool armor's a god over there, huh? It reminds me of the stories of the first Battle of Bull Run where people were bringing their families to observe the battle because they don't have any entertainment. So the general comes up to Bellary. He's like, you must be Bellary. And he's like, I am not joining the army. And he's like, eh, I I don't mind. Let's get you a cool new backpack. Buy all our play sets and toys, kids. (laughs) Then we see that uh, Klim is giving orders to the guy that's borrowing the genom. And 
Clem's like, we can't leave everything to the armor Zagan, because who knows how long this little chat's going to take. But we will hold out until the G-Self arrives. <laughs> he flies off, and the Inspector General is like, but the Montero is basically just going to say it's damaged or something. Probably. Uh, Tutumi is currently floating in like a pond that uh, Raraya dug out for it. Yeah, that'll be important later. As Belry sees the backpack and gets told, hey, you need like actuators and stuff. And Bellary's like, this seems like a terrible idea. Raraya is amused. So they put this, frankly, just awful pink backpack this, on the This G-cell. is awful. <laughs> and uh, Gravity is once again a vague menace to the mechanic. Who, for some reason, was sitting on the shoulder and gets knocked off. And Belry's like, just grab the lift wire. I have one of those. Which he manages to do, but bonks his head on the hatch on the way down, falls one Gundam torso to the ground, and is fine, <laughs> thanks to the beach. Yeah, I was going to say, it's sandy, I guess. <laughs> it's not that far. It's only like 30 feet onto his back. Anyway, the Jahannam gets blown into this, so Bellary dive bombs through Araya, jump cuts his way to taking her to safety. Along with a whole bunch of sand. Yeah, I do like that. Actually. Yeah, that animation is great. I also love the weird, awkward cut we get to Ida having already thrown Bellary a beam rifle. Be like, hey, catch. <laughs> we gotta go. It, it is actually kind of cool. I, I like that. Hey, here's a rifle. And uh, so the Ida's dad is like, hey, Rai, are you going? J- just stay over there in the corner as we go follow them. And Bellary and Ida are having an argument in an area with... Like, this is weird to me because they're having this argument... It seems like they're having an argument outside of radio. Like they're not touching each other, so with the uh, particles spread, they shouldn't be able to hear each other. They're just yelling really loud outside the cockpits. But their cockpits are both closed. Yelling really loud, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Bellary's point is, Ida, you're terrible at this. Go guard your father. And Ida's like, I am not terrible at this, as she accidentally flies into him. Which is weird because I feel like we've been shown her be a relatively competent flyer before. Oh, don't worry. We're done with that. Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh, female pilots don't get to be competent until, you know, for another 20 years. Which from Mercury is only eight years after this. Ah. We cut to the poor balloon that continues to just have little sections blown out of it. As this dogfight continues... I do like the uh, two beam shots clashing midair and creating like an electromagnetic like field effect. There's a lot of that in Rikungisa so, and G. One thing that we see here is that the um, the armor Zagan is apparently like kind of all over the place with its shooting. Yeah, and Mick Jack is like, Lieutenant, get over here. We need to team up. And Mick Jack is like, okay, I'll throw a javelin from the armor Zagan. It'll be a combo move. Unstoppable. Klim Nick. Yeah, what did I say? I said McJack. You said McJack. And uh not a Borkus. That team that that team mo- maneuver worked perfectly. And Mask is like, "Wait, what's this pink thing here? I've never seen a pink thing." <laughs> oh my god, I hate the tricky pack. It looks so dumb. Anyways, like I have the high ground Anakin and uh transforms and starts shooting a bunch of stuff. He has greater maneuverability, but Bellary has bullshit main character powers and now has the high ground mask. So Bellary tries blocking all the beams with a shield. That's a good trick. <laughs> How impudent. <laughs> um, and then it shoots big pink lasers. I don't really understand the Tricky Pack's power set. It's tricky. <laughs> and uh, Bellary points out the backpack keeps getting in the way. So Mask attempts close combat and gets flipped like a burger by the Tricky Pack. And then they trade shots. 
Anyway, cut to space where Belle's mom is like, I think Belle's on that island. There's air now. She has escaped the Roraya zone. <laughs> and then remains hydrated and has the pretty good question. How long has this water been in here? Presumably since the UC area. So uh, you're, that's probably not the healthiest in the world. But Mick Jack is unable to hit anything as we jump back to the battle. Clem Nick is, though. And, <laughs> yeah, they start arguing about it as we get a shot as to why the Armor Zagan isn't able to hit anything. As she's, like, exchanging RAM cards. <laughs> I love that, like, Clem Nick is like, you suck. And Mick Jack's like, I bet the lieutenant's complaining right now because they can't <laughs> actually talk. Well, like you said, she's putting in her, her beam cards. <laughs> she's putting in her gotcha lasers upgrades. And gets attacked by a, a doobie which she decides to go into close combat with. And she does, she's a female uh, pilot who is allowed to be competent as she throws this thing after transforming. Unfortunately, she does not get the kill as it writes itself. But I do love the animation of her slamming into it. I love the, I love the fact that she calls it a flimsy little board. Yep, twice even. So Mask is like, oh no, I don't have the high ground anymore. I can't win. Oh wait, there's a booster that gives me plus one high ground just here. Ha ha. I'll take it while it's unaccustomed to its pink backpack. As a bell f- <laughs> bounces off of the uh, megafauna balloon. And then Ida shows up to help him fly this time. And Bellary's like, weren't you supposed to be protecting your dad? And she's like, yeah, but I found that there's an unknown coming from the Capitol Tower. So I came in to destroy it. That's a nice effect it has with the cutout there as it shifts up them. It has like the pointer tilting around as it gets away from Ida. So Ida goes to the fry scop dragging the balloon is like hey you can go ahead and detach they must know it's a balloon by now go take me out to fight a cool unknown and bell is like hey ida you're being reckless it's your middle name and mask is like ah now i shall destroy the megafauna while my foes are just messing around ignoring me wait a minute a it's balloon! A bu- <laughs> He's supposed to be dead! And then they get the, like, I love they have, like, shaky cam. I know. <laughs> it like, looks what? like it's about to run into him. I think that's the issue, is that there's, like, jets pushing it. It's supposed to be that he's about to run into it. It's the same shaky cam that they did last episode when he was having his demonic face, but it's on this balloon. <laughs> his mask is like, what is this? A child's birthday? And then he just... <laughs> Throws it on the ground. <laughs> yeah, he just pops it completely. Well, I'd love... Okay, so he And does... then one guy is like, we couldn't stop him. And the dad is like, no shit, it was a fucking balloon. So Mass does pop up on the other side of the balloon, right in front of the Inspector General's uh, belay, and then takes no action against them at all. Well, I think... I th- it, I know that the like <laughs> look of it was... Looked like it was looking at him. I don't think they're actually looking at him. I think they're leaving. But they're right there, and he doesn't chase them or anything. He's got mobile suits. To f- He's got balloons to be mad at. I, my point is, I guess I thought they were in danger. I'm like, ooh, tension in G-Reco? Interesting. And there was none. No, instead, he just has a conversation with Araya about balloons. And he's like, there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this girl to me. She knows what balloons are. <laughs> <laughs> what else does a girl need to know? <laughs> Chuchumi. And then we get a uh, comment that he's like, oh, there's uh, no need to intercept that glider. Has a kind of it's a glider. Can you call Ida back? And he's like, yeah, she always, you know, runs off with that thinking. <laughs> I love this. And the and her dad is like, are you speaking ill of her? And he's immediately like, oh shit. He's like, Clem Nick says she's hot. Great, great. <laughs> and Mariah's like, bell, bell, bell. And General Surrogan is like, ah, oh, that is an excellent point. 
Bill yeah. Rezenum is with her. We can as the other guy, as the other guy is like, oh thank God, thanks girl for getting him off my back. And then we get an eye catch. How safe would you feel if you're being guarded by Bill Rezenum? I, for one, would feel zero safe. Although I guess he does have a pretty good track record so far, so that may be up for debate. Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of our recap of Rekungisa in G. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. I don't have a whole lot new, so let's get through the mid-spot and pretend I said that like a normal person. Um... <laughs> We have a Discord that you can join us at, uh, where we talk about all sorts of stuff, but let's be honest, it's mostly about Warhammer. But also other stuff happens, like Gunpla, or occasionally I'll put, like, random handicrafts I'm working on up there. Uh, we have a Patreon.com slash LastPodcast, where for $5 a month you get access to all of our episodes early, and a bunch of bonus content. I happen to know what the next month's bonus episode is gonna be, uh, but I'm not telling yet. Uh, maybe I should, just to drive hype, I don't know. That's all I got. Thank you all for listening, um, and we will get back to it. I will talk to you in the virtual ether next week. Cut back to Mask jaking out some poor grimoires and some very, very animated explosions. This definitely <laughs> isn't a still frame. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. And he's being arrogant, like, oh, you can only fight me while you're falling at me. I, I do love his, like, quick, fl he's like, ah, like, one of these flies and just flicks and shoots it out. I love how we see it from in the cockpit, so we yeah. just see his arm kind of move towards it. It's a very cool effect. But the tricky pack has the high ground and still is immune to beams. That's a good trick. And then it shoots <laughs> a pink version of the mobile suit at... I think that's just something that G-Self can do. It did it last time with no tricky pack. But it has now turned it pink? Yes, that's true. Yeah, the entire G-Self, I think it absorbed all the energy. Is it absorbed the all the tricks. Yeah, all, all the tricks that were being shot at it, it absorbed, and I think it turned pink because of that. Well, it also like EMP'd Mask's mobile suit because it started spazzing out. So he goes over to deliver some close-up magic to Mask. Matt says he took down the system, but then he's like, oh no, an island, and then he crashes into some trees. <laughs> I do love how often the pilots just screw up just a little bit. <laughs> it's that uh, gravity being a vague menace. Then uh, as things are like calming down, Clem Nick and Mick Jack start talking. It's like, good job, Clem Nick. Also, good job, Mick Jack. Yeah, we rule. The G-Self <laughs> sucks. It let one get away. But we're cool people who rule. <laughs> I love how no one comments that the G-Self is pink now. <laughs> uh, anyway, Bell realizes that Ida went rushing on ahead to go fight a glider, and he's like, I should probably go catch her or, like, figure out what's going on over there. I mean, but the, uh, the Minovsky particles are thinning now. And McJack is like, what, what's his problem at this point? And Klimnik is just, yeah, it's probably Ida. Let's go after her them. And McJack's like, nah, our machines are in bad shape. I need to perform maintenance on my ponytail. We are staying here. <laughs> so Bellary rockets off. There's this weird scene where he's like, oh, I can't find Miss Ida anyway. Oh, there she is. Like, he doesn't do anything. He's just like, oh, man, where is she? I can't. Oh, okay. No, right there. And she is so bad at flying. She's in space now. I was like, why is she even so high up? I guess this is where the glider is. No, she says she's at a much higher altitude than the glider. And then she crashes her face into some airbags. It's kind of funny. Why did they decide to just go ahead and make her this incompetent? She she's was, a girl. She was doing fine for a while. Nope, no more. She is. She has used up all her competency for this series. This is the time of Igali. <laughs> 
So anyway, Bell hears his mom on the radio and is like, "What? Why is my mom here?" He has a very comedic like panic mode. He reacts like a teenager whose mother is here and is catching him doing something unsavory. And uh, he looks over and Ida is about to shoot his mother. So Bell rams into her to throw her aim off. And then she starts shooting wantonly. And Ida's like, you're in the way. And Bellary's like, yeah, that's my mom. And Ida's like, I know my dad was just here, but what? It's not bring your parents a fight day. (laughs) Isn't your mom literally, you know, the leader of the operations of the Capitol Tower? So Bell's mom crash lands into the G-Self. And loses a wing, but fortunately it is still intact. Fortunately, supporting your mother's glider is a good trick. Couldn't they have just let her land? Why did he need to catch her? I think presumably because he was just in the way at that point. And Ida has a little moment of, uh, I very nearly accidentally killed her. And she's like, hey, thanks for helping, Miss Pirate Lady. And she takes a swig of the centuries-old glider water. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, hey, sorry, I forgot cinnamon cake. And Bauer's like, I thought all you cared about was the crown's timetable. And she goes, yeah, well, when things like this happen, I worry for you a little. Implying that things like this happen sometimes. <laughs> like, this is not the first time, and she does not expect it to be the last time. <laughs> and then she's like, that's a pirate mobile suit, right? And Ida's like, hey, Bellry, there are no more enemies. Uh, let's go back to the megafauna. Bellry has the very confusing line that's fixed in the movie of, why were you doing that? Which I, I assume is an intercepting the glider. The line in the movie is, hey, why were you flying so high? Ah. <laughs> and she has a little, like, nod to camera of, oh, I lied that I was uh, looking for other targets. Honestly, when I saw that the first time, I thought she was talking about almost shooting down his mom. And was <laughs> lying about the fact that he that she was up there to shoot down the glider. But the fact that being the, the height reference is actually makes a lot more sense as to why she's not overly concerned about it. Cut to the megafauna where Ida's dad is asking the captain if she, if he can like have a conversation about Ida about being reasonable. And Donnie's like, you know, she is at the teenage prime years, right? Where she's not going to listen. And Narita's like, oh my God, Raria, are you okay? Why did a pretty eyed man try to do this to you? But then when uh, Bellry lands, a bunch of guys <laughs> point guns at his mom's glider. I love how a bunch of these guys all have machine guns, and this one guy just pulls out his pistol. For <laughs> Daniel's like, whoa, whoa, come on. That's that's like a semi-important political person. He wasn't rifle certified. <laughs> and Danielle, who in a previous episode was like, hey, Bellry, you're the director's child, aren't you? Is now just realizing that Bellry is the director's child. <laughs> Danielle doesn't have what you might call continuity in this series. <laughs> this is not the first time he will exposit questioningly a thing he has asserted as fact in the past in this series. Yeah, I thought uh, something about that bugged me. Like, it, w- it would have been fine if it was a matter of, like, he didn't know his parent was the operations director and now was just putting two and two together like wait a minute hang on their last names are the same how did i not realize this before but it's like you already said you're her son right maybe he was just guessing before and now this is confirmation <laughs> i no, there's no <laughs> so Bellary's mom talks to ida's dad is like ah we haven't met since the conference that's your daughter right anyway i'm not going to apologize for how you were treated at the capitol tower because all the pirate bullshit you pulled <laughs> and ida's like yeah, I did do some pirate bullshit. That's sorry about that. <laughs> so we cut to dinner where everybody's in their casual outfits except for Bellary's mom and Ida's dad. Well, they didn't bring a change. This is fair. 
And Night is Dead is like, yeah, we're just borrowing technology from Gondwin, our enemy of the past 10 years. We don't know anything about the Rise of Hermes blueprints. And she's like, yeah, what about that spaceship you were building that SU Courtism condemned you for? And Clem Nick is like, oh, no, we halted construction on that. Nick Space. The Nick Space. Well, because he's the president's son, right? Yeah, so <laughs> after him. I would like to point out that Mick Jack is wearing her casual outfit, so she must have brought a change of clothes with her in the armor zig. Which, uh, we talked about this off mic. I don't like it because I feel like it's very contrary to her character. I like it because it is so contrary to her character. But she's wearing, like, kind of just a plain blue dress and, like, a hair bow thing. Yes. And she's sitting on the floor reading a book while this is all going on. So Clem is like, it should have been no issue at the International Conference. And Mallory's like, yeah, but if you just called the Nick Space the Megafauna and kept building it, it would be. There's like all sorts of manufacturer's plates and dates on this ship, you know? <laughs> well, Ida was like, how would you know that? And Bellary is like, you know there's a whole bunch of dates and stuff on there that it just kind of shows it. And then Mick Jack sets up and like hip checks Clem Nick, um, I assume to uh, make fun of him. Yeah, I don't for know. getting caught in this lie. Yeah. And so Bellary's mom was like, yeah, you set it up to be a pirate ship to collect data and you're using it to construct a space fleet in the mainland, aren't you? And so Ida's dad is like, hey, if the threat from space becomes more concrete, you realize you're not going to have time to quibble with us on this, right? And Clem Nick is like, hey, uh, General, this conversation is boring, so me and this girl (laughs) are leaving. Mick Jack has a very inappropriate joke about Bellary being a child that Naredo takes exception to. So Clem Nick wanting to be a cool teenager in front of this teen girl is like, hey, don't shoot us with a slingshot, okay? (laughs) So Ida brings over like some photos of the moon, which is apparently against the taboo. Yeah, and the radio's like, hey, you're not allowed to take photos of the moon. <laughs> Astro- yeah. Astronomical observation isn't allowed. We've so ju- how do they figure out when to do their planting of their crops? Because that's how we figured that out. Calendar. They have an app for that, Zach. Yeah, I was. the SU Cordis just gave them a, a, a crop calendar. <laughs> um, I was like, they just like have abandoned all research about space and physics, I guess. Which actually makes sense, because they're not supposed to be advancing technology, right? Yeah. So. Anyway, these photos of the moon have a bunch of spaceships in them. And Bell's mom is like, ah, oh, the work of the proper noun, which brings us photon batteries, is the pulse of the universe itself. Yeah, she's really perturbed the rest of this scene. Yeah. And they're like, well, this is the proper noun here, but you notice how there are all these other objects the same size as the proper noun all around the moon? So uh, this is probably a problem. Although I do enjoy the fact that Ida is is also presenting this information as though she's been in possession of it, which really does reinforce the fact that earlier in the series, she just didn't want to tell Bellary because Clem Nick didn't. (laughs) Yep. So Bellary's almost like, ah, the reason SU Cortism distributes photon batteries on Earth is to help us rebuild. From that thing that we survived. It might have been a colony drop or something. So they won't destroy the Capitol Tower. And Bellary's like, hey, calm down, Mom. And she's like, Belle, Naredo, let's go home. Bring Mariah with you. We can make her a cheerleader again. And so Ida's dad is like, yeah, I guess I can give you an F-Rug if the Capitol Army doesn't shoot it down. <laughs> Cut back to the Granadin, where Mask returns alone. <laughs> and we, we get a, a new short-haired character. Never seen her before. Her poor long hair. Apparently, there she is a reservist. And they get the great job of picking up all the fragments that have fallen off the <laughs> elf bullock. And Manny's like, oh, man, I thought if I came here to the front, I could find where Lewin, Naredo, and Bell were, since all of my friends suddenly abandoned me to go to war. <laughs> and she overhears some people uh, talking shit against the, uh, 
against Captain Mass. Basically well, saying, Kintala, Kintala. Yeah, you know what they say about Kintala? They're Kintala. <laughs> They're delicious with <laughs> ketchup. And Mask is being told to chill by his commanding officer, I guess, as he broods out, out over the deck. So all the other reservists uh, head back inside, and Manny is like, that's definitely Lewin Lee, right? That, that is definitely my boyfriend over there. Who yells at them for using him like a guinea pig? I not I guess via the mask that they've given literally no one else. Here's a cool mask that records combat data only for you, Lewin Lee. No one else is allowed to no one else took the mask class. I mean, maybe the elf bullock is also what he's talking about. Anyway, Manny comes up to him and is like, I'm a Katala too. Is that true? I believe so. I think it was said earlier on. There's like no physical distinguishing of the Kintala, right? Because Naredo is one and she's got that gem and Manny is one and she looks completely different. And there was nothing that seemed to tie all the guys together, which maybe is a cool commentary on how silly our modern like biases the are. Yeah. Or maybe it's just that they didn't decide to <laughs> do any distinguishing thing. Who can tell? And so Mask is like, as Captain Mask, I must clear myself of the shame I feel for losing to a pink backpack. Kintala have our pride. Let's see that through. And she's like, I'll be cheering for you. On account of that's my job. And she's like, yep, that's definitely my boyfriend. I'm not sure what to do with this information, but I have it. So we're... And now you two... This is the one thing we're going to tell you, the audience. <laughs> In case you haven't already figured this out. Uh, Captain Raraya waking up on the couch. And some exposition about the Capital Army getting that ship from Gondwin. And then Brailler's like, Really? And then I just like, either that or Colonel Reseda definitely knows about the Rose of Hermes blueprints, and I must warn my father at once. Yeah, so Ida really just reinforces that whole thing. Like, he definitely knows, so he's a, he's a shady-ass character. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Belry's mom is still shaken by the idea of the Capitol Tower being destroyed by space. And she's like, the Pope says it would never be destroyed from space. That's an oddly important. specific thing for him to say now that I think about it. <laughs> And we end on a shot of the megafauna with the armor Zagan and the G-Self on it. That was a pretty quick episode. It was. Um, a lot of it was pretty action-y, I think, is part of the reason. Yeah, but then at like, the end, we get like the most plot development we've had. And in... yet it means nothing. <laughs> and the most character development with Mass Kent. Well, the, the problem is, like, it is a lot of plot development, but we don't actually know what it means yet. Like, the, the character from Mask, like, that stuff is also pretty good but at the same time like it's a relatively short and fairly straightforward scene yeah i i think the straightforwardness is actually part of the problem is not the right word to, but like why it is short is because there's not a whole lot to say about it it's like he's a teenager who wants to prove himself that's <laughs> and there's like so little we've seen of kuntala being discriminated against right like becker was kind of a dick to him but becker's kind of a dick to everyone <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then there's some guys being like oh look at these kuntala messing it up but again yeah. like there's lewin does not seem like he is disadvantaged by his position at all it seems like it's one of those things that is just leveraged by people who are already dicks and like he has a big chip on his shoulder about it yeah it's like okay i have access to another lever to throw to be an asshole so, like, it's very high level, but that's a lot of Reconquista NG. That's why I think I compare it to Grant Morrison work so much. It's very, hey, you know what's going on here, let's move on. But I think that works a lot better in comics with static characters than it does in a series with new characters you're trying to develop. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I think mine is actually going to be the uh, Klim Nick Mick Jack joke, 
where he yells at her, and then she's like, I bet he's yelling at me. Um, it was a really <laughs> funny she's joke. she's, like, digging out the circuit boards and yep. stuff. That is a pretty good one. Zach? I think my high point might be that conversation at the end about, like, here's the threat from space. It's nice to get, like, a hook. (laughs) And we get a little bit extra of, like, what exactly are taboos and everything like that. Like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing astronomical observation. Because that's kind of the first time we've actually had an exact idea attached to taboo. It it seems to be anything to prevent them from going to space unsupervised. Yeah, so I I think that's probably mine. I, I, I liked that whole, like, here's what we're gonna do. Or here's what we're doing, and this is why. I know it's dumb, but I love Mask freaking out about the balloon and getting so <laughs> upset. But that part was very funny, but I'm like, I'm not sure if I can call that my high point. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I'm not sure it's a real low point, but like all the shenanigans on the beach while they're having like a pit stop while a battle's raging <laughs> around them just seems like really weird to me. I, I don't know. It, it's like a weird episode pacing thing. Zach, I think I might have to go ahead and say Ida losing all of her skills to Bellry, the skill vampire. That does explain where they all went. Um, I mean, that's the only explanation I have, I, I can come up with because, man, she is so beyond incompetent in this episode. Say so the G self absorbs energy and turns pink. Does that mean that Bellry will eventually just turn bright pink? Too much pink energy is dangerous. <laughs> you could have left her as competent, but for some strange reason, you decided she had to be useless. Why? Well, Mick Jack is a girl and competent Zach, and there definitely can't be two of those at once. <laughs> uh, so what's your low point, Jeremy? You took the big one, Zach. I'm going to go with the joke Mick Jack makes to Bellary at the end. It just it kind is, of comes it's out very of nowhere, off color. and it's very extreme. My read on that is Clem Nick and Mick Jack are just like bring out the worst in each other as they like try to impress each other. Because that also explains his slingshot bit to Naredo. But I, I don't know. I might be doing a lot of the heavy lifting on that. I mean... It does actually track because of the fact that we already saw when the two in the combat were kind of having a bit of that argumentative nature towards each other and that one-upsmanship. You're sloppy. No, you're sloppy. You know, that whole thing and just constantly bringing out the worst. But you're right. That that joke is very off-color and really dumb. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? That is a hard one for this episode. I guess it's got to be Belry. He does most of the stuff. He has a real... Like, he's interacting with his mom in like slightly interesting character like maybe learning that she cares about him outside of maintenance schedules right um i do love his panic mode also that yeah that was the last one i was going to mention is like he also has that really fun reaction um when he hears his mom's voice on the radio uh zach i think i have to give it to bell as well for a lot of the same reasons that tyler just illustrated Spider being my low point, I think I'm going to give it to Mick Jack. The runner-up for high point is definitely her throwing the F-Rog and just being like, you flip flimsy yep. board. And like the bits with she's like working with the circuit breakers for some reason trying to fix the beams is super good. Shall we put the armor Zagan on our mobile suit list? Because spoiler, it ain't showing up again. <laughs> I was actually going to ask if we wanted to. Um, I feel uh, like we've yeah, seen it do if, everything. If it's not coming back, especially. I like the armor Zagan a lot. I don't like it as much as I like the Zamzaza, but it is kind of everything I want in a mobile armor. But weirdly, it's a good guy mobile armor, which is I think kind I of prefer strange. it to the Zamzaza, which is weird. Tyler, better or worse than weird crab? Well, you know I'm a sucker for weird crab, so I'm gonna have to give it to the Zamzaza. Um, I do like the stupid spindly arms that the armor Zagon has when it transforms, though. It's useful for flipping flimsy boards. <laughs> 
the Mobius Zero is technically a mobile armor. I think it's better than that. Yeah, I agree. Well, just to put in my two cents, I think I prefer the Mobius Zero. I think I like it more than the Sky Grasper, Ooh, which is just a jet. That's, that, that's a no from me. I prefer the Sky Grasper. I'm actually pretty torn on this one, um, so I think we might be approaching terminal velocity, but I think I am going to give it to the Armor Zagon. Uh, another transforming mobile suit. How do we think it compares to the Aegis? I think not as well as the Aegis. It does have a lot, significantly more lasers, but as we <laughs> know, they are prone to breaking, apparently, requiring circuit board changes. I think, mm, this one's hard, but I think I got to go with the Aegis. I do like the fact that the Armor Zagon basically has like that firing platform on the back. All right, final question. Better or worse than the amazing Zagok? <laughs> I forgot that was on there. I think better than the amazing Zagok? I think I have to agree. All right, the armor Zagan goes at number 63, above the amazing Zagok and below the Aegis Gundam. Is that the highest rated mobile armor we have on there? No, no because, because the Zamzazah was higher. Yes, we put it below oh, right. the Zamzazah, which I assume has to be, right? What's cooler than a Zamzazah? A Almost big Zam, anything. But, a big Zam, but we haven't ranked the big Zam. So. Uh, the Destroy Gundam, I would think. It's it's much lower than the Zamzazah. Huh. I like crabs. I hate the Zamzazah. <laughs> I love the Zamzazah so I think much. I, I think I'm thinking of my list where the Zamzazah was very low. <laughs> All right. Anything else we want to say about this episode? I liked it as a tail end to episode seven. We'll have to see how things, you know, kind of continue, but... We are getting a little bit more in the way of here's what's going on. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got something resembling a plot hook. It only took nine episodes. Eight but... episodes. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's only eight episodes. You're right. <laughs> Let's be fair to it. It's only a third of the way through its runtime, Tyler. Hey, they mentioned there's a space threat like three episodes ago. Yeah. No, we're not going to tell you about it. I will say in its credit, like Double O took a long time to get running. The The, the thing is, I really liked Double O once it actually got off the ground, and I'm not sure I'm ever going to feel that way about Rick and Gisa. Well, we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, having not seen it, it might capture you. Like I said, I actually really liked these two episodes. We'll see if it'll continue that momentum, but yeah, I, I think say yet. I agree. I think my problem from like a just a, a work of fiction standpoint, I like this show because of vibes, and that does not necessarily make it a very good show. Like, it's not... It is not a story well told, I think. So. Like, deliberately so, which is super weird It's an about odd it. choice, yes. I mean, weirdly, this episode did kind of nudge me a little bit more towards Bellry's corner. I'm still not in his corner or behind him yet, but I am a little bit closer. He is still kind of a shitty teenager, and I'm, like, starting to see the ways in which he is shitty, which is good job, show, finally giving us some character for him, but... Do you think, like, Mask is right to be annoyed with Bellry because of the ways in which he is shitty? Maybe. I, I don't know. The problem is we never really got to see a whole lot of, like, Lewin and Bell's relationships. So. No, like, they seem pretty cool, right? Yeah, exactly. They seem very chill with each other. Yeah, like, Lewin was constantly sticking up for him, so. Yeah, Lewin did obviously seem a little bit more mature, but they did seem to have that kind of friend vibe going yeah. on. Yeah. So, I'm interested to see what happens once they realize who is in the opposing mobile suit. All right, then. I think that'll do it. Join us next week when we will be watching episode nine of Reconquista NG, The Megafauna Heads South. <laughs> so exciting. Awesome title, guys. <laughs> Definitely drawing me in here. The, the real thing is that that's uh, propaganda. They're actually going northeast, and they just want you to think. <laughs> Listen, or your life will be filled with silence. <laughs>